So um, this evening I'd like to offer some reflections on the theme of impermanence. Can everybody hear me all right? Is that working? Great. Yeah, so it's been around, feels like, and talking to people and so I thought I would just bring it for us this evening and yeah, I just really invite you to to join me, to for us to join together in a sense of just maybe contemplating this together as we as we sit here. Um, hmm. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. So, as as you well know, this is nothing new to any of you. That uh, you know that that this is a very central teaching, isn't it? In the Buddha's teachings. I was, I was listening to a talk on this recently, and apparently, this contemplation of impermanence. You know, it comes up 157 times or something in the early suttas. I thought that's yeah, quite a lot. It's very, very central, very key uh, understanding. Um, and I'd like to address it in two different ways. One is to, just some ways that it can be helpful and skillful to, to think about it and to actually reflect on this. And the Buddha gives a number of different ways to, to do that. And and then the second way, which is more about um, the practice of directly perceiving the directly in our experience, I say this this uh, characteristic of of conditioned experience, conditioned phenomena, this this uh, uh, anicca, this flux, flow, change uncertainty, instability. And again, different words or different angles on that to help us to feel into um, the way that that is actually texture, part of the texture of our experience. And it's this direct perception whether it comes to us as a kind of, as it can do, as suddenly we realize, oh, <laughs> you know, that quality of being struck like a bell. Uh, somebody here recently on retreat, I don't think he'd mind him, he was sharing how he, I think, had been doing the tick check. Very conscientious. I've got to kind of get into that tick checking for ticks. Very important around here. And he was, I guess, looking in the mirror and at one of those moments when he really looked at his face, at his skin, and it was like, how can old? <laughs> you know, this is sixty-year-old skin. Not fifty-year-old skin, and 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 you know that it has that quality, doesn't it? Of oh, you sort of like dong, you know, <laughs> your whole yeah, you get it, 
you know, and something is really seen and understood and felt and recognized. And how, you know, in that experience, doesn't it show that somehow we are more habitually, um, almost seem to be again conditioned to not notice this. (laughs) To be somehow not wanting to see that or... You know, it's really interesting, isn't it? That, that, there's, that there's this um, almost inbuilt tendency to permanentize, solidify, fix in so many different ways at so many different levels. And it can be so obvious and so subtle. And so this practice of reflecting on this and actually practicing, you know, seeing it, seeing it in our experience is, is something probably we have to do again and again and again and again. Uh, hearing teachings about it again and again and again and just so that it begins to actually more permeate our our mind and our understanding becomes more it's like you know so much in the dharma isn't it about kind of tuning into what's true or tuning into what's actual tuning into what's natural in a way and and how how strange it is in a way that we are so unnatural and untuned in and <laughs> not very in touch with the truth of things. And so, you know, in this process, in this exploration, we need so much patience, so much willingness to begin again and, and this kind of, you know, yeah, forgetting and remembering this is kind of our predicament, you could say. We have these intentions and sometimes insights and then we go around acting as if, you know, we'd never, so we'd never, we never had that insight. And this is the power of ignorance, isn't it? Avijja, not seeing, not seeing, simply because it's such an ingrained habit, such a conditioned uh, habit, and somehow don't, almost feel like somehow maybe that, that internalized condition conditioning from outside about where we're kind of trained to see things as solidified, so yeah, very, very strong. I like this as a, an image, I think it's quite helpful. It's kind of a painful image, but I think it, it points to the painfulness of solidifying, holding, you know, resisting. It's this image of rope burn. I know if you've heard, you hold, like a rope is being pulled through your hands and you you hold, you're holding onto it so that the rope uh, burns the skin of your hands because you're, you're holding on, but it's put, you can't stop it. You can't stop it, it's being, it's going. And I just... And, and in that, I think, well, I've been reflecting on this, I think it's interesting because somehow, can you just have a sense of, Feeling that right now? Any sense in your experience? Maybe are you? Is there some holding? Some 
some resisting and just so often there, just even in a very subtle sort of way. And what's it like to, I often feel it very much registering in the body, maybe, and how, how just by, can I, can I just relax that a little bit? Can I just, sometimes it's a very, um, something that can feel so stuck and solid, it just needs our, in a way, our, our willingness to turn towards it and just give that gentle invitation. And in we can feel, oh. And then there's a sense of somehow being more able to be present with the flux and, and the flow. Um, and and that that movement from holding and holding to 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 oh. maybe it's not so far and not so distant and not so you know dependent on time. So there's the possibility, isn't there? We will probably have some sense of this possibility, or we wouldn't be here, of living, living fully and freely in, in this life. And there's a possibility of that. Maybe we've really tasted that at times, or maybe even now, as I'm talking, you can. I don't know. Again. And I want to assume or, you know, say, tell you what you're experiencing, but just to, to connect, just to see if that's there for you, you know, in this very immediate way. Like, oh, yeah. There is this possibility. And so I wanted to share with you some, some things that wise people have said. And Sarah. So, I'm going to read you a couple of things, which, f- for me, they they help to how can I say, like point my mind towards uh, the vision, or the, even the, actually the knowledge and the memory of freedom, or of, of uh, and this. Uh, Mm, way of being, way of, um, yeah, way of being that, 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 uh, it, it comes partly from this understanding of impermanence, this, this, uh, connection, this presence with, this knowing of, 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 ch- of, of change, of anicca at some level, and that having, having this, yeah, to help point us. So the Buddha said, um, well, something, obviously, translations, and anyway, he said something like, <laughs> develop a mind that is vast like space, where experiences, both pleasant and unpleasant, can appear and disappear without conflict, struggle, or harm. Just invite you to just connect with that. It it point to something really beautiful, this, this spacious awareness, this 
you know, what, what does that invite us to do in our practice? And I don't know about you, but for me, even when I know very well a lot of the time, there is conflict, <laughs> there is struggle. That in a moment, in a moment, there can be release, there can be, ah, oh, nice. that space where things are rising and passing without grasping. It's like, (sighs) And, you know, how many times do we have to uh, (laughs) do that or remember that? Well, yeah. So the other quote I wanted to to share, which uh, was a really beautiful uh, expression of of the, yeah, the kind of fruition of from this that can come from this this understanding when it's deeply embedded, when it's deeply woven into the fabric of our of our what is it? What is it woven into? I might have to leave that sentence unfinished. I'll come back to that. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> So a uh, teacher called Zong, um, Zongkar, I'm sorry, pronounce it, Zongkar Jamyong Kientse, he said, if one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. And if one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking. And therefore, one lives fully. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. And if one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking. And therefore, one lives fully. so much in there. So that's one way of wisely reflecting on impermanence is to is to read teachings and to take them to heart sometimes i think we underestimate the power of learning passages by heart which i used to do quite a bit and i'm realizing i don't do it so much anymore and they are such a wonderful practice and that could be a, a lovely one to learn and to carry around with you in that way as a way again of practicing of keeping that reflection alive. So another way perhaps of wisely reflecting is finding helpful questions. I think this is such a powerful um, part of practice and it to find 
and sometimes with people I encourage, you know, it's like I encourage them to find the question, you know, rather than the answer. <laughs> what is it? Because then that has the power, doesn't it, of, of kind of, yeah, opening something up. Um, so um, a couple of questions um, about our relationship to change. And what is my relationship to change? Could be one question. And, and we might look we might think of that generally, look at different patterns in our life. You know, how are we with endings, how are we with beginnings, you know, I know different situations maybe or aspects of our life or our you know, our, our mind or yeah, we're okay with this area but not with that area. Or or to to to, to understand, you know, to, to sort of to, to really see how how um, something changing is there's this very isn't there this, this sort of seems like a very natural kind of mechanism that we when it's changing in a way which we like when it's going to what we what we feel is more pleasant then we say oh change yeah okay. And then if it's changing in the direction, becoming something that's really unpleasant, then it's like, oh no, you know, and there's this sort of resistance. So on the one hand, there's clinging, you could say, on the other hand, there's resistance. So to, no, to, to notice, to obviously, so many different um, moments and situations where we can, um, you know, we can really notice and of what, what, yeah, where the resistance is, where the clinging is. Um, and on, on retreat, yeah, I'll go into that in a little bit. But okay, so uh, one area I wanted to touch on is, yeah, going back to this, this um, change in impermanence. Um, at the level of our physical existence, uh, mortality. I, I uh, want to say a little bit about the practice of the five daily recollections, um, which are one way, again, of, of reflecting on, recollecting, um, again, daily or frequently, actually, is the word in the sutta. I the this is I give you two translations. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this teaching. Anyway, I, I won't say too much, but I want to put it there because I think it can be very very helpful in supporting us in opening to this uh, reality of our fragility, our mortality, helping us sort of through all these levels and layers of resistance and fear and <laughs> and denial and, and overwhelm and to, to see that there's somehow through turning towards that in a skillful way, there's a sense again of coming into tune with, coming into alignment with the truth of things and being able to... Uh, 
bear with you know, loss and change and decay and death, that, that it's, it, it becomes more and more a sense of, 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 of nature. It's natural. Somehow we're part of that. We're part of that. And that, that somehow that sense of belonging in a larger process or being subject to the same natural laws as everything else is somehow... It doesn't it helps to undermine that sense of isolation that could come with that sense of you know I, I I'm gonna die. Or anyway, so the, these five recollections are: I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. So how does that land? How does that... It's true for every single one of us in this room. I know. For me, it's, it really opens a sense of profound sense of connection and sort of community. I know brothers and sisters in aging, sickness and death. As one teacher like to say, begin Dharma talks. Mm. And when I was, uh, a while ago, when I was really exploring this more and practicing with it, and I found that somehow I couldn't quite connect with that very traditional format, so I translated it into something that felt to me like I could, I could receive it more, more on a sort of feeling level. So I'll just read you these and then I'll leave you to pick up on that further if you wish. So, breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So, I think partly for me, it's that sense of compassion and kindness that, you know, maybe it's not true for everybody, different temperaments and sensibilities, but that somehow the, the Buddha's intention in teaching, in teaching this was, it was out of compassion. And I think that, that 
And that somehow if I highlight that more it that it's a it's a loving message. Yeah, it, it's not yeah, it's a loving message. It's loving information. Like so um before we go on to other aspects of this impermanence, I I would like to read you uh a poem. I think there's so much wisdom in this poem. I, I hope you can hear that too. By the very great poet Mary Oliver. Look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. So I also wanted to include a slightly different kind of tack, different area of this, but it felt, anyway, we'll see how, how it goes, but that um, change can also be towards the good or towards the positive, right? That, that things change, you know, empires fall. Wars begin, but they also end. That, and that in our lives, we can be part of, we can participate in that which is moving towards the good. If that makes sense. And that, uh, I think that having that faith, you know, the Berlin Wall came down, apartheid in South Africa collapsed and I was many years ago involved in a project in Northern Ireland when the troubles there were still pretty intense and it was a small project summer play scheme for children in the poorer states on both sides of the religious divide uh, staffed by a very very motley crew of um, yeah people from both sides of the religious divide and, and the Brits, as we were called. 
And over a period of about, I don't know, seven or eight years, I was there quite a lot. And there was a small peace group doing thing, doing different things there in Derry, London Derry. And You know, you always wonder, is this really doing anything? <laughs> this, you know. It felt good, it felt wholesome, it was appreciated, so we kept doing it. And then a few years later, after the last, I hadn't been there for a while, I was, I was traveling in the States, I was actually in Boise, Idaho, visiting family. And I got off the train and I, I saw this headline in the newspaper in a, in a newspaper machine and it said IRA ceasefire declared I just couldn't believe it I couldn't, I couldn't believe it just really moving thinking and remembering that I didn't think it was possible but it happened and the peace process continues it's still difficult it's still not sorted but I think this is so important and I just, I wanted to include this in the talk on impermanence. It felt like that we can participate in small ways that are significant and, and, you know, with great joy to be part of such, of such a thing and with the faith that things do change and we can be part of that. And I think it also really, doesn't it really, isn't that really relevant to our own little practice, our labors on the cushion and the churn? You know, that actually small, small shifts, you know, the many, many times of coming back to the breathing after having been wherever we were. And sometimes I have the image of, you know, I, I love this image of like these huge oil tankers are about a mile long and somebody turning the wheel, you know, a tiny bit and then it takes ages for the thing to kind of go very slowly shifts its direction. But that small shift and that tanker ends up in a very different destination. And I think that's... That, that feels to me somehow really important in our practice. Um, okay, so, so much. That's the thinking about, wisely reflecting on impermanence. You can find your own ways, I'm sure. And the shift to directly perceiving impermanence, I think it's interesting. It seems to me it's a shift more... Um, it's like out, kind of stepping away or out a little bit of the framework of time, of future past, or somehow uh, more and more closely we're actually coming in, in closer and closer into this, this what's actually happening here and now. Yeah, it's, it has that... To, to me, that's, that's something timeless. And that, you know, the mind of the past is ungraspable. The mind of the future is ungraspable. The mind of the present is ungraspable. So, you know, we, we sometimes, you know, there's this present moment, you know, 
Where is that? Where is that? Can you find it? <laughs> but it's just, again, you don't have to answer that. It's just like, oh. It's, it's more like a kind of ing, isn't it? Verb. It's not like Joseph said, I oh, see yourself as a verb. Or Stephen Bachelor. It's like, we are uh, just a bunch of processes and changing, shifting processes. Like me. So it's it's like tuning, being able to, in different ways to tune into and perceive and perceive this um, and this uh, thought, you know, you, it's a lot of what you're all doing on retreat, isn't it? Thoughts, moods, sensations. I was like, yeah. It's not um, in, you know, the wonderful book by Analio. Am I saying that correctly? Thank you. Um, on the Satipatthana Sutta. And I think there's one bit in the back somewhere he sums up the whole of the four foundations of mindfulness. Like, wow. <laughs> I think it's him. He's like, keep clearly knowing change. Maybe that's some. So there's something really here that's completely central to our practice of mindfulness and that is is somehow... There's, you know, we talk about objects like breathing or thoughts and you just like, wait, wait a minute, if you, it's, it's a bit like particle and wave, isn't it? Right? You look at, anyway, I'm not very, I'm not a physicist, but anyways, I understand that you can look at it in one way and it looks like a particle. You look at it in another way, it looks like a wave. So in a way, this is being able to see the, the wave-like nature of things the, the non-thing-likeness of things. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Can you get the general drift? <laughs> so one reflection I had when I was preparing for this, this talk was, let's see if this makes any sense. Now, myself and some other teachers can get very terrified of giving talks, believe it or not. I don't know if this is a revelation to you, because I know it's not to certain people, but... <laughs> so, this was really good, because I, I... Right, okay, impermanence, let's, you know, shine the light of impermanence on this one. <laughs> and actually, it was really helpful. And I share this with you, because I think if you take anything, thing, in your life, like, you know, that you're afraid of, or it's like a thing, it's my problem, well, that's a good, you know, take, anyways, this is my problem, you know, whatever. Take it there, put it in front of you, like, okay, now try and find it. <laughs> so, with regard to this talk, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I... Well, um, I mean, there's something happening, right? Because I'm talking and you're listening. Is it, is it over there? Is it? <laughs> is it on the piece of paper? I don't think so. <laughs> is it in here? Well, maybe partly. Is it, you know, and, and so, and actually I was beginning to contemplate this as I was preparing because I realized I'd created this great monster. It was like this huge sort of the talk, you know, and it had like 
you know, like, sort of big claws and fangs and a sort of drooling and sort of huge mouths coming to eat me. And I was like, oh, what's being created here? I already had some intimation, so I had some inquiry, you know, but then and realizing that even in the preparation, I also thought, well, where's the preparation of the talk? I couldn't find that either. <laughs> I couldn't find it, no. Well, it's and, and there's something already that's felt very freeing in that. And, and somehow, like, sharing that with you and inviting you to sense that, where is the talk? There's something that's happening and it's evanescing, isn't it? And it's... And even even if you listen to the talk later, I mean, what's that? I mean, that's just, that's like, that would be a completely different event, won't it? It's like something else going on. Anyway, perhaps I should stop barking up this tree, but... (laughs) (laughs) So, but, you know... This is what we do so much of the time, isn't it? We just solidify things, situations, ourselves, like my problem. That's another question I sometimes bring to the I say, what is the problem? Actually, and go in there. Everything breaks up and deconstructs. And that Anicca is, is one element of that kind of oh well you you can't you can't you can't find you can't find anything. And yet, here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's living more lightly, perhaps, with, yeah, with life. And um, the possibility through this, through this reflection, let me find someone else wise said something, yes. Okay, that, that actually this revelation or this this way of seeing it actually opens us to the deepest wisdom to to the yeah so um two two things from two different teachers on this ajahn buddhadasa he said nirvana is the coolness of letting go the inherent delight of existence when there is no grasping or resistance to life, it is always available. Let's just read that again. Nirvana is the coolness of letting go, the inherent delight of existence when there is no grasping or resistance to life, and is always available. No. present here and now. No. Very yeah. present here and now. Uh, discernible by the wise. So just right now, perhaps I'll 
just want to invite you again to just contemplate now in the immediacy of your experience. Just, just let's just pause for a few moments and just invite you to contemplate Anicca. Change. So there's something here where we don't have to uh, create anything or that there's something about opening, resting back, isn't there? And sort of just allowing that truth to kind of reveal itself. And just resting in where we are, presence and awareness. something so simple, so direct about it. And even being able to feel the, almost the, the insubstantiality of the resistances and the, and the feeling of I can't or I don't want to or just, just whatever is there. Another teacher, something <clears throat> I really have found helpful, a Cherry Huber, she says, when I realize that human beings have energy that passes through the body, stirring up all kinds of sensations and feelings, I am free to be present, responding to life as it unfolds. I'm free to be present responding to life as it unfolds. And sometimes these moments of, of insight into imper impermanence can just come quite out of left field, aren't they? I remember once years ago practicing on a long retreat, just you know, minding my own business, just doing mindfulness of breathing, sort of been on the retreat quite a long time, lying down, meditation, following the breathing, and then suddenly it was one of those bam really, really, really got the, the impermanence of the breathing, you know, just, just a very simple, isn't it? so simple, but just this very direct kind of, yeah, that kind of bell ringing experience. And 
one of the as you know insight can when it happens it, it can be sort of a lot in there and what also was very very clear to me in that moment was that actually there is no basis for suffering it's like there is nowhere there's no place where any kind of like stress struggle but there was nowhere for that to find any footing any any traction any leverage that somehow i could really see and sense and know very somehow very deeply that when when the impermanence when the anicca is when that's really seen and known it's like you really understand that actually there is no there is nowhere there's no basis actually for dukkha and and it's the solidifying it's the grasping it's the it's the contraction and then the pushing against that but if there's no contraction if there's no solidifying you know it's like that image from the suttas isn't it of 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 the mara coming like the bird and pecking at the rock and and there's no there's no food there's no food for mara there's no there's nothing they can't gain any purchase and it's that it's because of the wisdom that's uh, yeah so sometimes um we need to um find ways of of bringing our insights and it to bear on our life how do we you know something like that happens or we understand something and then how we we still work to do to kind of somehow let that infuse uh, and into and inform our life and that's that's where yeah we continue we continue with the practice and the reflection um So hmm. So yeah, I think uh, I think the talk is coming to an end. <laughs> Hello? We're right. <laughs> I'm nearly finished. Silly is okay, isn't it? Sure, I hope it's okay. Just a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Seem <laughs> hmm. so reflecting on impermanence lightens the heart. Yeah. So I'd like to finish with the beautiful words from the Diamond Sutra. 
Thus shall ye think of all this fleeting world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. Thank you for your participation. <laughs> so let's chant the sharing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.